0: So far, this past Saturday, February 8th, marked one year of me quitting my job and doing this whole entrepreneurship slash self-employment thing full-time, and I'm excited. Um, The year actually felt like it went by extremely fast. If someone told me it was a year already, I'd be like, what? But on the positive side, I have accomplished a lot, and way more than I would have been able to accomplish if I was working full-time and I've learned so much on the on the job of working for myself that I probably parts of me felt unequipped for but I think we have a way as human beings and because we're very resilient of surviving when we're thrown into the fire so the one thing I can say for sure is that I have absolutely no regret no regrets for quitting my job when I did and taking the steps that I did. Um, I'll probably talk a little bit more about it. Probably make an episode sometime in March, breaking down what I've learned, what I take, what I can take away from it, what I would have done differently, and how I'm setting myself up for even more success in year two. But yeah, it feels good. Um, <laughs> I bought a slice of cake and I put a green candle in it because I'm going to make all the money this year. <laughs> and I just, that's what I did to celebrate myself. Something very small and inconsequential, but it's huge. Um, I have to re- keep reminding myself that it is a big deal and what I did was a big jump and that I need to pat myself on the back and take a moment to stop and bask in my accomplishments, even if I haven't reached the levels of success that I believe I can attain. I've still made it from somewhere. I, first of all, I've survived, like I've survived a year, never once having to update my resume and send it anywhere, even though there may have been some times where I've contemplated that, but I made it through, you know, and I think the first year with most things, relationships, jobs, businesses is the hardest. So, Year two is really looking up and I am excited. (laughs) I hope you guys had a chance to meditate on the words to live by for last week, which were I'm better when I'm better. And for me, what I really, how I internalize this is that it's very important to take emotional time outs and to step away from things when it's becoming too much for you and not to just be so engulfed in having to do for other people that in doing that you're burdening yourself or not giving yourself what you need because at the end of the day as I said last week when you're not your best self it's a disservice to the people who you you're sacrificing your own self-care and sanity to help and just to let you guys know how much I'm about this life and how much I practice what I preach or at least I try my best to um One of the ways that I actually, one of the things that I find is also in line with this whole I'm better when I'm better is having the strength and the ability to cut off responsibilities that don't favor you. And I actually did this quite recently, I believe not last week, but the week prior. I contacted someone who used to be my friend and let her know that I can no longer be her child's godparent that it will never be in my benefit to continue doing that in the capacity that I'd be doing it moving forward. And that I don't want to do that to myself. And in telling people that I made this decision and that I blatantly straight up told them that, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I was met with some people saying, yeah, don't do it. Shout out to them. And some people who justifiably so were like, are you sure that's the right thing to do? Um, Is it not, it's not the child's fault, whatever situation has transpired, but because it's not the child's fault is even more so why I stood firmly in making the decision I did because should I continue in a role that I know I truly don't want to be in and don't have the emotional bandwidth to be in every time there's an event or responsibility that's required of me, I'm either going to be reluctant, do it half-assed, or I'm not going to do it at all. And what that does is leave a gap in that child's life that could be filled by somebody else who will have the energy, the, the interest and the excitement to do it. So by me stepping down from that position, I've opened it up for somebody else to be there. And for me, I find that it would be more selfish to stay in that position because I don't want to ruffle feathers when I'm, being of a disservice to that child and what that child may need down the line. To be honest, at this point, there's not a lot of responsibility in that role because the child is still small, but I can, I have enough foresight to understand what it would require of me in the future. And I have enough emotional intelligence (laughs) to know that I'm not gonna wanna do that in the future. So I stepped away from that. And it's one of those things that can sound harsh sometimes, but it's never really harsh when you decide to do what's best for you. And even if it is harsh, I think it's much more harsh to make decisions that you suffer because of especially when those decisions are not necessary decisions. Yeah, there's lots of things in life that we can't control or responsibilities that we cannot step out of that are harsh and difficult and that we have to like, face and deal with day by day but why would we now purposely walk into those fires when there are some already that we don't even have the power the ability the finances or the resources to actually step out of why would we now purposely walk into one or stay in one when we know we have the ability to step out and get away so in the sake of preserving mental health and being the best version of ourselves let's cut things off when they need to be cut off and let's nip things in the bud. Oh, side note. I used to think it was nip it in the butt until my sister, who's a teacher, is like, no, nip it in the bud. I'm like, what, what does that even mean? And she's like, if a plant is like growing or something and it buds, like it sprouts, if you cut it off right there it's not going to be able to grow roots and get out of control I'm like true because nip it in the butt I don't even know what it meant but that's just what I said but yeah it's better to nip things in the bud than to let them grow roots and grow out of control and then instead of you just crushing a sprout you now have to hack down a tree you know so yeah (laughs) that's that on that and I hope it helps you guys because these things are ways that I truly do try to live by and things that I try to implement into my life wherever I see necessary so that not only am I telling you things but I'm actually practicing what I preach and I'll report back to you with the <laughs> with the results and let you guys know if it's actually beneficial or not and as Sometimes it can start off beneficial and it could change, but I'll keep you guys posted on any new developments. But for now, I'm happy with the decisions I've made and I think I'm going to be happy with them forever. <laughs> um, so for this episode, I'm going to be talking about Gail King. So as most of you guys probably know, Gail, who is Oprah's best friend and also a journalist, I should have said those backwards a journalist who, and also oprah's best friend like let's call her accompli- her higher accomplishment what she's done in life not who she's affiliated with um she had an interview with lisa, lisa leslie who was a WNBA player and also very close friends with kobe bryant and of course this interview was primarily about the discussion of Kobe Bryant, his legacy, his life due to his recent passing as I spoke about last week and I believe the week prior. So in the midst of the interview, Gail asked Lisa about Kobe's legacy with regards to the rape allegations which he had in the early 2000s. And Lisa answered, with the utmost grace class and what um, Gail did was continue to kind of push her on the question because when Lisa Leslie had said that she was around him and she never seen him do certain things like call girls in the club whereas some of her other basketball NBA friends had done it Gail went on to say are you sure you didn't see it because you were his friend or are you sure you didn't see it because he was around um are you sure he didn't do it pretty much alluding that Is it because he was around you that maybe that's why he didn't do it? And of course, I'm going to start this off by saying the most necessary thing. Gail's line of questioning was absolutely, undeniably in poor taste. This is not, I'm not here to argue that. I'm not here to discuss that any further. It was in poor taste. It was bad timing and it was extremely insensitive. The whole world is mourning this sad sad tragic loss and even more so us who are not even connected to him personally but to speak to someone who was like a sister to him who's clearly going through this fresh 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 pain and to be asking these questions it's never going to be appropriate and it's never going to be necessary so with that being said as expected this is this is the real world and this is the social media era there was Ridiculous, ridiculous amounts of backlash, as expected, when the soundbite came out of that clip from the whole interview. To be very honest, I haven't even watched the full interview. I'm not gonna sit here and say I did. Um, I have a thing with sadness and certain types of things that, like, for my own personal peace, I kind of stay away from them. I didn't like with this whole Kobe thing. It kind of hit me in a. A way that I didn't expect so I'm not really going out watching videos watching people like listening to people's experiences and all of that because it's a little too heavy for me at the moment so I'm just kind of leaving it in its place but there is a lot of backlash going on and it was expected what she did was incorrect and the court of public opinion is gonna come for your neck that's just a fact of life and especially a fact of this digital age where a post in the morning can be seen by millions if not hundreds of millions of people by the afternoon and everybody has twitter fingers and everybody has opinions so of course it's gonna come and where my talk for this episode really lies is in some of the backlash that she received yes as I said it was poor taste people are pissed bad timing etc etc but Mr. Snoop dog (laughs) um came out with a video on his instagram mind you snoop Dogg i'd say is in his 50s i really didn't google it um i think he's around 51 so he posts a video on his instagram to his 39.3 million followers starts off okay with some profanity talking about his disapproval of what gail had done we get it, we understand, you have a right to feel the anger and the and the disapproval of everything she did, as I said. But then his conversation or his rant took a turn to where people often go when black women do things that offend them. And what he did was proceed to call her a funky dog head beep punk MF. And then he told her to back off b-word before we come get you and that's a lot that is actually a lot and i'm sure there are probably some 200 200 follower ig people running the same sentiment saying the same thing but when you have a following of 39.3 million followers on instagram and you pretty much just threaten someone that you need to back off before we come get you there are serious serious dangerous implications to that i live in canada as i always say in canada hate hate speech is um can be charged you can be charged for hate speech whereas in america i understand that hate speech you can't be charged is part of their freedom of speech but in canada the way it's seen is that if your words have enough power to incite the actions that are behind them you should be held responsible for your words whereas it's whereas i guess the way it's looked at in america is i just said something i didn't do anything anybody who does something it's their it's their it's their cross to bear and it's their situation to deal with but when we look at how words bring action and the the strength of words and how words can be the the starting fire or the kindling to major blowouts and major progressive or non-progressive situations it's important to understand that words do have power so when a grown man with this type of following comes and does something of this nature it's something that we really need to take in and look at and realize that it's it's not right and it's not safe and outside of that what he also did was proceed to say free Bill Cosby to which Bill Cosby in jail was tweeting and I forgot what he said he said inside of his he said he's inside of his gated estate and I was just like that okay (laughs) whatever whatever makes us feel better about where we are right so and I have an issue which I think I don't know how it'll be taken, but I just have to speak my mind on how I see these things. Yes, Bill Cosby is a black man and he was beloved. I watched the Cosby show. I watched Little Bill, all of that stuff. But what he did was wrong. What he did was wrong. What he did was dangerous. He sexually assaulted women and he is now facing the consequences of that action. To now, because he's a black man And because, um, just for some background, um, Snoop Dogg was saying that Gail King and Oprah are very supportive of Harvey Weinstein, or they were at one point and they never really came out with, um, something slandering him after his allegations were made. But guys, I don't know how to tell you guys this, but if somebody is a criminal and they're arrested and somebody else who is a criminal, who's maybe of a of a more powerful level isn't arrested my result or my wish is not for the other criminal to be set free my wish is for all of them to be in jail like I don't know how else to put it yes I understand like the whole prison complex and how black people are disproportionately put into jail than other other racial counterparts and all of that that's not what I'm talking about here if we both did the same crime or if two people do the same crime, both people need to do the time for it. If it's a crime that is of a high level, I'm not I'm not gonna be here and ascribe to the whole free Bill Cosby because he's a black man, but these white men who did it don't get in trouble. My whole thing is, if white men did it, y'all need to be in trouble too. If what you did has caused a lot of harm, I'm not gonna sit here and say because you're black or because you're white, you deserve it differently than somebody else. This is very complex, so I'm not going to even get into it too much because it could be a whole episode on its own, but it was just it was just a hot mess disaster. And what really pulls me is the fact that in her work and her looks are not connected in any way shape or form. And to not be able to separate the two is an issue that i find often happens with black women. So the moment a black woman does something the on a professional level. So journalistically people think that what she did lacked integrity, lacked morals, lacked lacked the proper the proper human emotion that she should have had to bring in, bringing up a topic of somebody's legacy in 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 the capacity that she had and this is absolutely correct when it comes to her journalistic work we can get at her because it was wrong whatever whatever but to go into talking about how she's a dog face dog-headed beep a punk mf back up or back off or we're gonna come get you i think we took things a little too far and by a little i mean a lot and what happened with this is that it really got me thinking about who defends black women and how cancel culture works and in my opinion I'm going to state it now cancel culture is bs and cancel culture is something that as I continue through this through this episode and through this breakdown you're going to see that cancel culture only ben only works when we're dealing with black women black men hardly ever get canceled and white people I don't know if they really get canceled like that I feel like well maybe it's because like where I am on social media is more like black black based the whole cancel culture thing I think is more of a black social media phenomenon and so from that um from that perspective I like to look at it based on black men and black women in the in the media and in the social eye and Seeing how it has worked and how it it has not worked led me to believe that cancel culture is BS. And what this does is that it creates a fake bias. So in thinking about who defends Black women and cancel culture, I came to... um, it came to my mind two unique different situations that I found were just really negative. One has to do with cancel culture and the other has to do with who defends black women. The first one I'm going to start off with with the first one I'm going to start off with is Gabrielle Union. So Gabrielle Union last year was on America's Got Talent and after one season her and Julianne huff i believe her name is were both fired from the show they're the two female judges um howie Mandel is the other judge and um simon cowell is the other judge he owns the show so he can't fire um he can't get fired but so when they were both fired from the show gabrielle union came out and complained of a hostile and racist work environment she discussed multiple things like um an episode where Jay Leno had said something pretty much made a joke alluding to the fact that people of Asian descent eat dog meat and she wanted to take it to I think HR and what they did instead was just cut that cut that soundbite from the show and move on with it um there was issues with her hair which was always just doing the best And it was her hair. She was just giving us styles and angles all through the season. Cause I actually watched for once that season. I don't know why, but I was actually really into the show that season. And, um, when she came out talking about everything that she had gone through, um, Terry Cruz, who is the host of America's Got Talent, I guess he faced backlash or people were coming to him saying that, oh, you're not defending her. Um, Why aren't you, um, why aren't you saying something or coming out with, with something to say about what Gabrielle Union has gone through? And he went on to say that he didn't experience any racism. And, well, he first said that sexism, he can't relate because he's a he's not a woman, so he doesn't know if that's actually a thing. But he said that he didn't receive any racism <clears throat> and that America's Got Talent is one of the most diverse places where he's ever worked. And I think it's important to note that just because places are diverse and there's a rainbow plethora of different types of people from different ethnicities and backgrounds— that does not correlate necessarily with the fact that a, a workplace is not racist. And I think this is an important thing to say because it's kind of like the people who say I'm not racist, I have a black friend, you could still be racist with black friends. A workplace can still be hostile even though it has um a, we are the world <laughs> United Nations employment employment list, you know. And to say that as a black man and to to act like you don't understand that these two things are not related kind of took me back because I'm like, are you I don't know if he's actually serious or he's just trying to not ruffle any feathers because we have to also remember that people often like to side with power. so if Gabrielle Union was ruffling some feathers and she got fired, and now she's talking about it publicly, and Terry Cruz still has his job that's paying the bills he's he's living his best life. We have to remember that not everybody is going to want, not everybody's an activist. I know that's absolutely okay. <laughs> like we don't all have to be activists. And sometimes people will purposely close their eyes to things that, that they may see or not want to say certain things so that they're not put into the troublemakers circle. And I can't say if this is right or wrong because to each their own, whatever you can sleep with at night and however best you feel you're doing, what's in the best interest of you and your family, I'm not going to say anything to it, but it's very interest. Where it becomes interesting is because he came out and passionately disassociated his- himself from her so much so as to say, he's pretty much discrediting her because he's like, I've never experienced racism and it's so diverse. I'm um, pretty much saying she, I don't know what she's talking about, but I'm not down for it, guys. Like, let's just keep that over there. And um, he went on to actually tweet a few things that I felt were kind of annoying. The first one was that he said, I'm a hog, you're a chicken. Just because you gave me eggs doesn't mean I owe you bacon. And I'm like, bro, it's cryptic, but it came out right after Gabrielle Union had tweeted about I believe about her not receiving defense from him and after that he went on to say there is only one woman on earth I have to please her name is Rebecca not my mother not my sister my daughters or co-workers let their husbands boyfriends partners take care of them Rebecca gives me wings your mom like <laughs> well that's neither here nor there but I it's it just blows my mind and I guess it's because He's there living his best life, wearing his shiny aluminum suits week after week, talking making uh, making jokes, and has this cushy cushy job that he doesn't want to touch. And where it really gets touchy and where it becomes like a oh, are you kidding me, Terry Cruz, is when we re- look back to two thousand and seventeen when Terry Cruz came out and admitted to being sexual, well alleged. I can't say admitted he alleged that he was sexually assaulted by a high-level hollywood producer who groped his private parts at a party as you guys know and those of you who don't know google terry cruz he's a big man like he's a big buff man he he prides himself in almost every movie he is in to be isolating his pecs (laughs) at all times so for you as a man Who's strong and big? Who has the ability to push someone off to come out with these allegations? I'm sh- first of all, let's commend his bravery because just because someone does something bad today doesn't mean we discount the we discount them or write them off. Which is why I think cancel culture is also trash. Um, but he came out and discussed this issue, and people were like, "What with your big self? Like how how could anyone sexually assault you? You should have just gave him a deck and <laughs> a deck in the face and moved on." and Of all people, guess who came out during that time to defend Terry Crews? It was Gabrielle Union. She actually tweeted at the time. "Um, Terry Crews is a stand-up guy, literally one of the nicest people in our industry. He is honest, kind, and true professional. I believe him and stand with him, hashtag me too. And this was at a time when many of his colleagues and many people who you'd expect to be his friends or who we thought were his friends were not saying much about him. So for this person to come out and defend you on something, it's not necessarily that you owe them a quid pro quo in exchange for what she did. But for you to sit here and not say anything and go as far as to discredit her and then low-key insult her on social media is just quite disgusting and disappointing. And when later on, because backlash promotes change as it usually does, he went back and recanted his statements and said, I'm sorry, I should have stood by you, blah, blah, blah. But where was that energy two minutes before? And it's important that these we realize that these apologies are often insincere. And the reason why these apologies come along is because if they don't come along, these people don't want to risk losing maybe a fan base, maybe jobs, maybe future things. Because what you said the first time is a truer reflection of what you think and even Snoop Dogg came out and um made another video saying he wasn't threatening um Gail. But when you say back off B be before we come get you, I don't know. Uh, I I didn't think you guys were coming to get her to give her tickles or <laughs> or what. So it's it's just one of those things where we have to really pay attention to what we're saying and what we're doing and understand that the decisions we make do have consequences outside of ourselves. And with the whole hierarchy of social power it's white people are more powerful than black people males are more powerful historically and societally than females so what that does is put black is that it puts black women at the bottom of the totem pole because not only are you black which is lower than white your white counterparts but then you're also female which is lower than your male counterparts so when a black female comes out and voices her concerns about something i think it's really Important that w- Black men and Black people support them in whatever way they can before degrading them or dismissing, because life and society already has a way of dismissing our justified emotions. So to have that happen, by your your colleague and your counterpart who i believe may have even been your friend is a bigger slap in the face and i find that this happens a lot that black women become the punching bag and they get the brunt of of problems and issues because i'm sure if terry cruz had come out and said that this was a hostile work environment gabrielle union would not have done that and she's gone to prove and show that she would not have done that because when he said that when he alleged that he was sexually assaulted by a hollywood exec Three years ago now, she came out and defended him when many people were silent. And this is just one of those things that I find very disheartening and very difficult to deal with, especially because the defense, the people who are always defending others do not receive the defense that they need in the times that they need it. But luckily, there were other people defending Gabrielle Union, including a lot of um, white female actresses who were actually giving a call to action to their fellow white female actresses and white females in media telling them that you this is not just a black girl's fight we need to be a part of this and if someone's have says they're in a hostile work environment we need to take it seriously and we all need to stand up for it we don't just need to like brush it to the side because oh she's saying it's because of her hair but you know black people be doing the most with their hair everybody can go through these issues and it's important to not just isolate but instead band together because the power does actually come when it's multi-leveled and not just black women fighting for black women if everybody comes together and defend defend someone and defends the situation they're going through there's it's more likely to bring about positive change so the second um person that I'm going to be talking about. And this is more about how cancel culture is fake and BS. Sorry guys, this episode is going a little longer. I'm going to try to wrap it up, but I just need to get all of this out because, uh, it's black history month and it grinds my gears and we need to talk about it. So, um, the second person I'm talking about is Chrisette Michelle. So for those of you who don't know, Chrisette Michelle is a Grammy award winning, uh, award winning, Singer, songwriter, extremely talented, she I'd say she's more niche, or she was more niche than very in the public eye. So there are some people who would say I, I've never heard her music, and that's absolutely fine. And it's not because they're being petty, it's just because she was very niche. But I loved her music and I loved her style of music, so I have been a very big fan of her for many years. So for those of you who don't know, um, when Trump won his presidency, Chrisette Michelle decided to sing at his inauguration. <laughs> oh, side note, for those who don't know, Chrisette Michelle is a black woman. Um, Was this a bad decision? Ultimately? Absolutely. Did she admit to saying that it was one of the worst decisions she made in her life? Yes, she did. Absolutely. Um, When it came to the backlash that she received from making this decision. It was ridiculous. People were calling for her head on a platter. People were going off, calling her coon, calling her this, calling her that. And she went on multiple shows. She was even on CNN explaining her rationale behind doing what she was doing. She, yes, later on she realized that maybe that wasn't the best way to do it, but we can only judge people based on what, they thought, well, based on the knowledge that they had at the moment in which they made the decisions that they made. So she, I was watching her CNN interview. She said that she wore, I think, a skirt that had some Black historical references to it. She, what she said was that no Democrats were coming to this inauguration. No, no Black people were going to be seen. So she wanted to take one for the team in, I'd say, in a form of activism and go up there, be seen, sing a gospel song, and hopefully raise some awareness do I agree with it I can't say I don't think so um but do I understand how she could have convinced herself to want to do that absolutely because a lot of us convince ourselves and justify a lot of stupidity in our lives so let's sit here and look at ourselves before we judge too harshly um after she did this the backlash that she received was just ridiculous and She later came on to um, Breakfast Club with Charlemagne and Angela Yee and um, said that she dealt with suicidal thoughts and she actually suffered a miscarriage, which she believes was due in part to the stress of going through everything that she did after singing at the inauguration. She also even alluded to the fact that she never wanted to even sing again, which is this woman's livelihood and I'm sure her passion because of the way people were coming to her i'm coming for her neck i don't think after that inauguration i don't think she really ever had any success in music till this day maybe a bit even if her songs have that potential people have written her off and canceled her capital c underlined three times they've canceled her but what i find is that If this is the energy we're maintaining, which is absolutely fine. When people don't do things, we want to cancel them and we want to lock them off and go off and make their lives a living hell. If that's the life and the angle people want to take, it's absolutely fine. But the question now becomes, do we keep that same energy when it crosses over to males and when it crosses over to people we may like a little more? And the answer is absolutely not the first example of this is going to be steve harvey who met with trump prior to the inauguration he met with trump sat and had a meeting with this man talked to him came out of it trying to defend that you know we we got to build the um we got to close the gap or whatever the heck he said and he received backlash because yes people are going to disagree with what you're doing but at the end of the day where is steve harvey today has his radio shows has his tv shows has family feud making money making movies living his best life right so what what then becomes the difference between what these two people have done they both met with donald trump at the beginning or prior to his presidency On the basis and on the grounds that what they're doing was going to be a political statement to to bring change and maybe help us understand one another better, because if this guy could potentially be our president, it would be in our best interest to uh, have some people in that camp that can bring about change. So then the question now becomes, what's the difference between Chrisette, Chrisette Michelle and Steve Harvey? And the only answer I can come to is that he's a male and she's a black female, and. In doing the wrap-up of this, it took me to Kanye West who, since I don't want to just give one example and seem biased, Kanye West, talented artist, whatever, whatever, was wearing a Make America Great Again cap, hanging out with Donald Trump, called him his brother, went on to say that slavery was a choice and that everybody should love everyone. And people were going crazy. They were pissed. They were angry. They were, they were like, he's canceled. He's done calling him Kunye, whatever they wanted, just going off. But my dude releases an album. (laughs) He releases an album and how all is forgotten blew my mind. Like, I'm not saying let's not, let's sit here and not give people a second chance, but we need to pay attention to who exactly seems to always be the ones to get the second chance and who is the one who is always not able to garner any forgiveness or sympathy. Because I know that there's still some closet R. Kelly listeners, well, even some public R. Kelly listeners, there's people who are listening to R. Kelly in their house privately bopping because they don't want to be known publicly, but Kanye literally threw a giant middle finger in the face of all of Black America, in my opinion. And he came up with Sunday service and some of y'all are ready to be paying $20 admission fee to go to his church, essentially. And what that does is really put into perspective that the whole issue of cancel culture is not what it's cracked up to be. And what I think all of this brings about is the necessity for us to do a self check. And I have a few questions that I really want you guys to go over. I'm going to put them in the show notes just to make it a little easier because in discussing and in thinking of this episode and talking about what I wanted and coming to terms with what I wanted to talk about, it became very clear that there was cognitive dissonance between our actions and the thoughts that we portray. And when I say the thoughts we portray, it's, it's all of the the Twitter fingers and everything, whereas we're supporting something else on the back. Because if we want to talk about who, who did the worst thing in terms of supporting Trump without a shadow of a doubt, it was Kanye. It was Kanye. And who is still reaping the most money and benefits post Trump, um, post Trump saga or post Trump scandal. It's Kanye West so with the self-check the questions I have the first one being what are you really fighting for and are you fighting fair I think we really need to ask ourselves this question because especially with mass hysteria and with cancel culture and with social media and um just shade culture once people hop on a bandwagon It's easy to just hop on it too because everybody's on it and because everybody's talking about it. But how often do we stop to ask ourselves if what we're fighting for makes sense, if we even know what we're fighting for and are we actually fighting fair? The second question is, who do you defend and who do you destroy? Because I think asking ourselves this question will let it really be clearly known and make it very obvious that it's black women who, who are not, who are being destroyed and black men who are eventually being defended. I'm not saying there's an issue at all with, um, with a backlash when someone does something incorrect. These people are in the spotlight. It, It comes with the territory, but when the backlash goes so far as to bring into people's, um, bring into question or bring into danger people's livelihoods go beyond their craft into their physical appearances and brings about grown men calling to action threats against people. I think it's important to really step back and ask ourselves, what on earth are we doing and is it okay? Because if we think about what people did, I'm just going to keep going back to Kanye because it's just in the forefront and it's just so glaringly obvious to see what is the justification to defend Kanye now? Because he says he's found Christ. If he's found Christ and you're a Christian, for example, and you say God forgives, where is that energy? Where is it extended to other people? Where, why is it that Gail King can make a mistake and we're not, we're not going to forgive her? And we're going to go into calling her all sorts of names, calling her everything but a child of God. Um, Chrisette Michelle, where was that energy for her? Gabrielle Union with Terry Cruz, where was that defense of her or even if you don't defend her you you don't have to throw her under the bus like where is that energy you know so we need to ask ourselves these questions the next question is do the punishments fit the crime and who is most disproportionately affected which is the exact same thing are, are we giving forgiveness are we saying you messed up we understand, apologize and let's move forward. Or are we saying you messed up, we're pissed and we're going to run you to the ground and destroy everything you've worked to build. We're going to threaten your life and we're going to just set you ablaze. Next question is, are we standing on our morals slash ethics or on our preferences? and this I think is one that we all need to ask ourselves and this is exactly why I believe cancel culture is bs because if you're truly standing in your morals and principles and ethics when someone does something wrong you will never you'll you'll cancel them with that energy and you'll maintain that energy because what they did wrong is wrong is wrong through and through and through but if you're standing in your preferences the moment that person who did something wrong drops a banger makes a hit <laughs> you you start to slip back and that's why i think people really need to do that self check and see that you're not why are you fighting this fight is it really because is it really because you you feel morally above these people and you have this moral high ground on which you stand where you can point at the wrongdoers and um persecute them to the fullest extent of the court of public opinion or is it because I don't really mess with this person or I don't really rate females like that because the moment someone comes out with something you like that doesn't negate the wrong they did so we need to really look at ourselves and ask ourselves these questions and it's time for us to just literally call a spade a spade and look at the ugliness of the truth of what these questions will bring. And unfortunately, it's one of those things that if we don't look at the ugliness of the truth to the answers of these questions, we'll never really be able to have the necessary honest, candid conversation. And there's nothing wrong with realizing that your cancel culture pref- your cancel culture preferences is based on your ta- on the talent of the person. Because if you don't admit it or not, we see it. It's easy for you to cancel somebody like Iggy Azalea, let's say, who you don't like her music and you think it's trash and get at her all day long and bully her to the ground or do whatever. But say that, say that. Don't sit here and say, nah, she's cultural appropriating. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're doing this because there are many other cultural appropriators and there's many people who are in media right now. I don't even need to name names. All you guys need to do is Google who have said very derogatory things about black women. And these are also women themselves said things about dark skinned women who have slandered people who look like your moms and your aunts and you are still bumping their music. So let's not sit here and act like we're on some moral high ground. There is a hierarchy and black women are on the bottom of that hierarchy. And the sooner we realize and take this for the truth, the easier it will be for us to come to some conclusions and also look at our trash behavior and determine that maybe we've been trying to convince ourselves of something that isn't the truth. So yeah, this is going on long, guys. I'm so sorry. Um, Well, I'm not really sorry. I think I needed to say what I had to say. And if it had to go a little longer for me to get it out, I'd rather do that than rush through it and not give you guys at least a decent amount of information and context so that you guys can go to our good old friend Google and look into more of these things should you feel it necessary. So with that, I'm gonna get right into our words to live by for this week. And our words to live by are, if you were to think about it, could you live with it and what this means to me is that we live in a very avoidant society we make decisions and we we make them and we stick to them because of stubbornness because of ego because we just think we're right and we walk away we avoid thinking too hard about these things and what what i use as a litmus test in creating and deciding what I want to really do and looking at my character from a deep um from a deep place and from a very critical place is that I face myself and I ask myself or I take the moment to really think about what I'm doing and think about what I've done and if the situation or the actions that I've taken are things that I I can't even stand within myself to think too hard about because guilt and all these other uncomfortable feelings just come rushing through then maybe we need to really face ourselves and live right and before we take actions maybe it's time for us to actually think about our actions and think about where they're coming from because we can't it's not in our best interest long term to live a life where we just move and don't ask questions move and don't ask questions move and don't think say without thinking say without looking at the further consequences of our actions so i think it's time for us to all face ourselves think hard about what we're doing get to the base of why we move in the way we move and what it can be steeped in and even if it's ugly look yourself in the mirror and say That's ugly. What am I going to do about it? Now I know it exists. What am I going to do about it? So I really hope that helps you guys. And I hope that this episode brought some things to life and lets you know that maybe the next time you want to, someone does something that's not good in their career. And the first thing you want to do is come for her, her physical traits. Maybe it's time for you to do things a little differently. Thank you guys so, so, so much for listening. Have an amazing week and I'll talk to you next Wednesday. Bye.